This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for a bigger job, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Welcome to Radical Personal Finance, a show dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, insights, and encouragement you need to live a rich and meaningful life now while building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. My name is Joshua Sheets, and today we are going to talk about a current case study of having your money stolen, your assets frozen, etc. And of course, this case study is coming from the nation of Canada, where the Canadian government has recently come out under an emergency action. They've recently come out with a stunning set of new laws and rules related to money. Now, of course, this is targeted towards the trucker protests that have been happening there in Canada. The Canadian government is trying to starve off the protesters' assets in addition to significant legal fines, civil fines, etc. They have been going after the money. If you if you're not aware of the situation, over the last few weeks, there has been a so-called freedom convoy in the nation of Canada. Uh, in fullness, tens of thousands of protesters, uh, some thousands and thousands of, of trucks and vehicles involved. They started with a convoy across Canada from uh, British Columbia all the way across to Ottawa. And then starting about three weeks ago, they set up shop in downtown Ottawa, uh, parked their trucks, parked their rigs, and basically started a party. <laughs> started dancing in the streets, set up bouncy houses, started having concerts and and uh, speeches, etc. And the crowd grows on the weekends, where lots of individuals come in and spend the weekend there protesting on Parliament Hill. And then during the week, it's a little bit quieter. It started being quite loud. The truckers originally were running their horns 24 hours a day, making downtown Ottawa basically unlivable. The Canadian courts issued an emergency injunction made it illegal to honk your horn in downtown Ottawa. So the honk truckers stopped honking, but they have continued to be there. And over the past few weeks, uh, Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau has become more and more angry with the protesters. Uh, they have been steadily increasing the penalties, steadily increasing the the. the the consequences for being a protester, trying to get rid of the protesters. Along the way, they have been involved with some financial sanctions. The first most noticeable ones were that the truckers raised all around the world something like 10 million Canadian dollars on GoFundMe. That was the original uh, the original thing. Well, the Canadian government went after the source of the protesters' money, and they shut down the GoFundMe, and that was a big hullabaloo. But uh, then a, a crowdfunding website called Give, Send, Go stepped up and said, well, we're not going to be intimidated like GoFundMe was, and so we're going to raise the money for the truckers, and we'll pass it along to them. So they've raised basically almost another $10 million on Give, Send, Go, in addition to some people getting involved in uh, in crypto uh, and sending crypto donations. So starting on February 14, though, the Canadian government ramped things up even more. They invoked the never-before-used so-called emergency
Ulysses Act, which gave a wide swath of extra benefits and privileges to the Canadian government to shut down the protesters. And as part of that particular action, the Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance of Canada, Christia Freeland, made these announcements. And I want you to listen carefully to her announcements. We join her Termite. as she is speaking in French. Here's the translation. These illegal blockades must be lifted. And they will be. Invoking the Emergencies Act, we are announcing the following immediate actions. First, we are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use. In case it's not clear, they have decided to lump together the protesters protesting on the streets of Ottawa. They call them, uh, they call these blockades now, illegal blockades. There have been a couple of blocked uh, border crossings. Most of those have been cleared up by now. And they are lumping them in together as terrorists now with the government propaganda. So that should make sense to you now. These changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies. The illegal blockades have highlighted the fact that crowdfunding platforms and some of the payment service providers they use are not fully captured under the Proceeds of Crime and Terrorist Financing Act. Our banks and financial institutions are already obligated to report to the Financial Transactions and Reports Analysis Centre of Canada, or FinTrack. As of today, all crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use must register with FinTrack and they must report large and suspicious transactions to FinTrack. This will help mitigate the risk that these platforms receive illicit funds, increase the quality and quantity of intelligence received by FinTrack, and make more information available to support investigations by law enforcement into these illegal blockades. We are making these changes because we know that these platforms are being used to support illegal blockades and illegal activity, which is damaging the Canadian economy. The government will also bring forward legislation to provide these authorities to FinTrack on a permanent basis. Pay careful attention here. Second, the government is issuing an order with immediate effect under the Emergencies Act, authorizing Canadian financial institutions to temporarily cease providing financial services where the institution suspects that an account is being used to further the illegal blockades and occupations. This order covers both personal and corporate accounts. Third, we are directing Canadian financial institutions to review their relationships with anyone involved in the illegal blockades and report to the RCMP or CSIS. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken in good faith. 
Federal government institutions will have a new broad authority to share relevant information with banks and other financial service providers to ensure that we can all work together to put a stop to the funding of these illegal blockades. This is about following the money. This is about stopping the financing of these illegal blockades. We are today serving notice. If your truck is being used in these illegal blockades, your corporate accounts will be frozen. The insurance on your vehicle will be suspended. Send your semi-trailers home. The Canadian economy needs them to be doing legitimate work, not to be illegally making us all poorer. And we'll stop there. So here's why I want to focus on this. It's not so much doesn't so much have to do with the specifics of this particular set of protests and and whatnot. Although we'll talk just a moment about that. More that this is what you can expect from virtually every government government around the world, especially um, hardcore uh, tyrannical governments like we have in the West. this is what they do, and they will do this every, in every single crisis in a variety of formats. We'll go back in a moment and talk about it, but you can look at this right now with concern about protesting. Right now, if you are protesting, if you have been involved with the protesters, if you've supported the protesters, etc., then they've changed all kinds of laws, and they have no compunction or reason why they wouldn't change the laws. <clears throat> there's been throughout this entire trucker protest, there's been a long series of examples of this. For example, one of the most shocking ones was the province of Saskatchewan as the convoy rolled across Saskatchewan. As the convoy rolled across Canada, at basically every overpass in the side of the road, there would assembled supporters, people who weren't going to go and travel in the, the convoy. But as it rolled across Canada, it, become, it became a bigger and a bigger thing. And so the supporters would go out and they would stand on the bridges, stand on the side of the roads. They would wave flags. They would uh, encourage the supporters. Now, at this point in time, it's important that you recognize this is less than three weeks ago. Uh, at this point in time, there were no block blockages of roads of any kind. This is simply a convoy of vehicles, flying flags, driving together, driving across Canada. And the Saskatchewan government of the province of Saskatchewan in Canada came out and they changed the laws and they made it illegal to stand beside a highway or on an overpass. They were so upset by the show of support for the truckers. That was Again, just over three weeks ago. I said less than three weeks ago. That was inaccurate. Just over three weeks ago. So what governments do is they change the laws when it suits them and when it's convenient for them. And that's what the Canadian government is doing right now with these new financial laws. They will do this in every single crisis when they think that it serves their purposes. Now, right now, most Canadians aren't that worried about it. I personally think that if you have money in Canada, it's kind of a crazy place to have money right now, or at least any significant money. Um, But I feel that way about many countries. And uh, my bigger point is that this is what governments do in times of crisis. For many years, I have been warning about 
capital controls, currency controls, which are measures that governments put in place to restrict the flow of money. And they usually do this in a time of financial crisis. When there's a period of inflation, inflation kicks up, they want to keep people from being able to get out of their currency because that weakens them and they start to impose capital controls. And I for years said, you need to be ahead of these systems. You need to make sure that when the crisis hits, whatever the crisis du jour is, whether it's protesters in the streets of Ottawa or whether it's a hyperinflation in the country that you're living, you need to make sure that you already have your money out. But I think it's important that you recognize that here in your face is a real live example this week of a country that people used to think was pretty much was, was a fairly free country, right? The nation of Canada is a, is a nation that in theory has a piece of paper that proclaims that it's supposed to be free, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which guarantees, in theory, the right of the people to protest, the right of the people to assemble. And so you have people protesting in the streets, but what, what do the government agents do? The, the bureaucrats, right? They change the words. And instead of calling them protesters, they call them illegal blockades, and they start the propaganda. And in this case, it's hard to know from an outside perspective what levels of support the protesters have. If you have a significant level of support, you can act for longer. If you don't, you have less. But at the end of the day, the government goons are the ones with the guns, and they will always use force to to get their way, and they will go all the way uh, with it. And putting it in place financial controls is usually more effective than bringing in military people. Canadian government has done that a little bit, right? They arrested a, a, an almost 80-year-old guy for uh, honking his horn. He honked his horn in support of the, the, it wasn't even a trucker, he honked his horn in support of the truckers, and the cops were on him, like you wouldn't believe, but, um, beat him up a little bit and uh, handcuffed him. Charged him with the, uh, the the dastardly crime, evil crime of honking his horn. Um, but for the most part, I think the Canadian police themselves have been fairly restrained in the whole affair. But the politicians will go after money. So let's talk about what they're actually doing, because this is a preview of what can come to a nation, a country near you uh, in whatever your local crisis is. And then we'll I'll again emphasize to you how you can avoid this. First thing that they did is, in passing the Emergency Act, I'll go back to uh, the Deputy Prime Minister's comment. She said, quote, First, we are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use. These changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets such as cryptocurrencies. The illegal blockades, government propaganda, the illegal blockades have highlighted the fact that crowdfunding platforms and some of the payment service providers they use are not fully captured under the Proceeds of Crime and Terrorist Financing Act. Close quote. First thing that government agents always do is they will always take a piece of legislation and then they will either simply use it or, in this case, will expand it. So you had a piece of legislation that was originally written called the Proceeds of Crime and Terrorist Financing Act. It was originally written to target terrorism, whatever that is. 
But now the government says, well, we're going to call these Canadian citizens protesting in the streets, we're going to call them terrorists. After all, they're domestic terrorists. They're advocating for a change in, in policy. They're saying that we don't have the right and we shouldn't be having these draconian mandates all across the country. So we're going to just adjust over here and expand this particular piece of legislation. And this is what your country will do. In the United States, they would do this under the Patriot Act and say, oh, look, we're going to need to expand this over here. We need to use this. Even if they don't change the legislation itself, they'll simply use it. And if courts catch up down the bat, down, down the road, it's generally too late. They've already gotten a chance to, to do what they wanted to do, and they'll move on. Now, <clears throat> continuing the quote from the deputy prime minister, quote, our banks and our financial institutions are already re- obligated to report to the Financial Transactions and Reports Analysis Center of Canada, or FinTrack, close quote. This is the same thing that exists in the United States and in virtually every country that I, in which I have listeners, that your banks and your financial institutions are already obligated to report to the government what's happening. Uh, again, in the United States, this was done with the Patriot Act and all of the onerous regulations and reporting requirements that were put in place. Every single person in every Western nation who is involved in financial services, in banking, in investments, in anything, is an unpaid spy for your local government. Every single year, they receive classes on how to spy for the local government. In the U.S., back when I was a financial advisor, they would do this every year with an anti-money laundering class. And we'd have to go in for a day of compliance meetings and show us a video, and here's how you spot people trying to money launder. And of course, it's all painted under the, the scary term of terrorism. And as a financial advisor, of course, well, if I see people doing terrorism, then of course I'll stop that. But it's basically spy training. It's training for financial representatives to spy for their government. Then what the Canadian government done has come down here is instead of it just being spying, they've in, they've enhanced that and they've said yes. Here you have you already are obligated to report. Now I'll I'll pick up the, uh, the the quote. Continuing the quote quote as of today, all crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use must register with FinTrack and they must report large and suspicious transactions to FinTrack. Close quote. Well, what would be a large and suspicious transaction? It's a large transaction. What is a suspicious transaction? They make it up at the time. Um, Continuing on, let me drop down a paragraph. We're making these changes because we know that these platforms are being used to support illegal blockades and illegal activity. Remember, of course, illegal blockades and illegal activity is whatever the government says is illegal. Um, There's been no jury that has come out and said, you know what, this protest is illegal. It's been an entirely peaceful uh, event. The only violence that has happened associated with this particular set of protests has been against the protesters with one crazy person who tried to run a bunch of them over. Um, But there's been no violence associated with the street party, people blocking the streets, putting out bouncy castles and dancing in the streets. Um, But the government says this is an illegal protest, and so then they get to use these propaganda words. Now, listen here to the thing that I emphasized in the recording. Quote, second, the government is issuing an order with immediate effect under the Emergencies Act authorizing Canadian financial institutions to temporarily cease providing financial services where the institution suspects that an account is being used to further the illegal blockades and occupations. 
This order covers both personal and corporate accounts. Continuing, quote, third, we are directing Canadian financial institutions to review their relationships with anyone involved in the illegal blockades and report to the RCMP or CSIS. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken in good faith. Close quote. What is good faith? Well, in good faith means to, to enforce the will of the government, the government that has declared the protests illegal. So now you have a situation in which the government agents have deputized all bankers, all financial service providers to freeze and suspend accounts without a court order, without any uh, any uh, right to to having an overview from the court, uh, which also, of course, clearly violates the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms of, against unreasonable search and seizure. And the government is providing a protection here and an immunity from civil liability, which is never, never, ever a, a useful thing. If you think about even what it's at its core, one of the most evil things about the vaccination mandates and the sweeping onerous uh, requirements is that the government provides immunity for vaccine manufacturers. It's one of the things that drives the anti-vaccine people crazy, that if you are injured by a vaccine, you have no legal recourse to sue the manufacturer of that vaccine. And they won't do business unless they have qualified in this, this in civil immunity. And it's an evil system where you can be injured by their product, and yet you have no no recourse. And it does, it, it, it's it's terribly effective at eroding public trust in these companies and in the products that they are creating. And so you put you put in context, you put the case where the government and many employers are requiring people to take a product and then there's no civil recourse if you're injured by the product. It's a it's an incestuous evil relationship. But here you're doing the same thing with uh, with money. And it's not just the vaccine stuff, right? You get the same problem when you provide qualified immunity for police officers. <clears throat> it, it, it erodes trust and makes it extremely difficult to hold wrongdoers accountable for their actions. But now the Canadian government and the deputy prime minister has announced that this is our system going forward. Now, <clears throat> whether or not you're affected by these particular set of protests in Canada, um, this is what you need to be expecting from your government at any point in time. This is what these big, tyrannical Western governments do. They preach the word of freedom, right? Canada used to say, oh, look, we're free. We have a charter of, right, freedoms and, of rights and freedoms. And people used to think that Canada was free. Well, over the last couple of years, obviously, that was the wrong perspective. And uh, that's clearly now related to your money. The key thing is to recognize that this is what your government will do when you face a time of crisis. They will say, oh, you can't do certain things. So an example would be 
right now, up until yesterday, if you had money in a Canadian bank, bank account, it was totally legal for you to take your money from a Canadian bank account and transfer it to a U.S. American bank account and spend it there. It was totally legal for you to go and buy, excuse me, totally legal for you to go and take money out and buy diesel fuel, buy food, buy propane. It was totally legal for you to take your money out and buy it for other people. But today, not only has that become illegal, but if anybody thinks that you're taking your money and having any involvement with that, they have the right to stop it. So if today you go to your bank and you have $10,000 in your checking account and you try to withdraw $10,000 from your checking account, your banker will say, why do you want to take the money out? And you have to prove to your banker why you want access to your money. And if the banker suspects in any way that you want to take your money out because you're worried about your assets being frozen because you had your you gave money to the give send go campaign which was hacked and all the things were published all the names of all the people who donated to the freedom convoy were published all their personal information their home all the stuff if they suspect that that's why you're taking your money out they can decline your transaction and freeze your accounts personal and corporate accounts now, earlier in the week, the Canadian prime minister threatened and said, we'll take away your, your trucks, we'll cancel your passport, we'll cancel your insurance. They don't even let you leave Canada in some cases, um, kind of like some of the other countries that have done this uh, over the past while. So you even see those barriers going up, that when there's a real crisis, the government says you can't leave. You're not allowed to leave the country. We'll cancel your passport if you do, and you can't take your money with you. That's what they do. These people thrive off of power, and they love to control other people. That's what they do. They're never happier than when they can control you and your actions. So what do you do? How do you protect yourself? There are two basic strategies that you can use to protect yourself. Strategy number one is you can deal in things that don't require an institutional intermediary. And these things are few and far between. The obvious example here is physical currency. Why is physical currency so important? Well, if you have $10,000 in Canadian in your, uh, sitting in your truck and nobody knows you have it, at least you can go and get gas. Whereas if you have $10,000 sitting in your checking account, you can't go get gas anymore because the banker will freeze you off. You're doomed. You're done. They'll cut you off. And so you want to make sure that you always have access to some form of, of, of money that will provide you with the ability to do business without an intermediary. Traditionally, of course, that has been cash. Today, more and more people want it to be Bitcoin. It is an interesting stress test for Bitcoin that at this point in time, the Canadian government has been targeting individual Bitcoin wallets. That's part of this recent set of news. And they've put a flag on certain Bitcoin wallets and said, these, you, cannot, you cannot transact with these particular Bitcoin wallets. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bitcoin community in the coming days goes around this. Ideally, Bitcoin or some other uh, currency of, of choice can solve this problem. Ideally, you would be able to interact person to person without being controlled by the network in between. Now, clearly, at, the, at its base, there is, a network, uh, need, there is a need for a network when it comes to Bitcoin 
But ideally, there wouldn't be control that that network can establish over you. And that's the, what the, the banking system does. It has control. There has to be a network. And then all the intermediaries, those people can be suborned by the government agents. They can either be um, bribed by the government agents, controlled by the government agents. They, they're subject to the court jurisdictions of the government agents, etc. And so hopefully Bitcoin will weather this test and we'll get a chance to see it in a uh, workout in a, an antagonistic situation. But that's your first set of strategies is have some kind of asset that doesn't re- depend upon a an intermediary uh, system. Obviously, there are other things that could work as well, right? There's no reason why gold coins, silver coins, uh, cans of jer- uh, jerry cans of fuel, etc. can't also fill the case. You just simply have this is the classic use of cash because money being that most marketable commodity that exists is a thing that everyone accepts and everything else goes down because it's not as universally accepted as money. Your second strategy that you can employ is to use a competing jurisdiction. Now, there is no quote unquote good jurisdiction. There's no government in the world that won't given the opportunity turn tyrannical. But there is a set of influences and pressures that governments face, and they will generally respond to those influences and those pressures in the way that you would expect. The Canadian government has this big, giant government that has the support of most of its people, and its people, generally speaking, are seem to be totally fine with the vaccination mandates. They're totally fine with it. And so they will go along and they'll give the government agents here pressure. They'll go with the pressure. However, there can be other situations where other governments aren't affected by the same scenario. And so what you can do and what you must do with your money is you must be able to move your money outside of where you live. Canadians can easily set up banking relationships in the United States. They can easily do all of their banking in the United States. They can easily get all their credit cards in the United States. They can easily transfer money back and forth. It's easy for them to move money to the United States. They can drive there for crying out loud. It's within, since most Canadians live across the southern border, for most Canadians, it's within a very short drive to reach the United States. Any Canadian who has money in the United States is pretty much safe right now from all of these events, right? A Canadian who has money in the United States, even if they're spending money in Canada, they're pretty safe. And the Canadian government will get around to those accounts last. Now, if they're going after some $20 million donation to the trucker protesters and they want to get involved in the international world of settling up a court arrangement and trying to go after an account in the United States, they can do that. But it would have to actually be a pretty big fish. They can easily, the Canadian government can easily exercise pressure on the Royal Bank of Canada account holder who has $2,000, who's making $100 every other day ATM with distributions in Ottawa, um, or who has too many suspicious transactions buying diesel fuel in small quantities in Ottawa. They can easily target that guy, but they can't target the guy who has his money in the United States. And so this is why I believe and have taught for many years that you should not have all of your money Um, in the same country where you live. It's too much of a risk profile because you and your body and your bodily freedom and autonomy are subject to risk by the country that you live. It's a massive risk because they can put you in jail. They can pass laws against you. They can hunt you down in the middle of the night. They can do all the things that they want to. 
But if you also put your body and your money, now they have virtually total control over you. And that's what you see the Canadian government trying to exercise, control over their money. Um, rather than rather than taking the, the more difficult step of them going and arresting people in the bad public optics, they can just go after the money quietly. Uh, it's less visible for them to go after money versus having all the, all the camera footage of them systematically arresting people. So from a propaganda perspective, because all the money can happen in a back room somewhere with an accountant going after things in an order and whatnot, it's less damaging to the government from a propaganda perspective than it is to go and arrest all the bodies. So don't ever keep all of your money in the country where you live. Make sure that it's in another country. You say, well, which country? It doesn't matter. It honestly does not matter. Just that it's another country. The United States is great for Canadians. Canada is great for U.S. Americans. It can be almost any country. Just have your money in another country. And because now governments have to deal with another government, remember, governments do not respect their citizens. They don't care what their citizens say. The Canadian government for years says, oh, we believe in protest. You can go in and find Prime Minister Trudeau's, all of his old tweets. We support the right to protest, blah, blah, blah. Well, when push comes to, come, push comes to shove, they don't care. Prime Minister Trudeau hasn't met a single bit with any of the protesters, has not even shown any common politeness to say, hey, there's thousands of people in the street. Why don't we sit down and let's talk face to face? A gesture like that would go so far, but they don't care. Governments do not care about their citizens. And because most governments around the world have disarmed their citizens, they don't fear their citizens. There are only a few governments in the world that actually do fear their citizens because they know the, the power of violence that exists in the hands of the citizens. Governments don't respect their citizens and they don't fear their citizens. Governments know that they have all of the power. You saw the government, the Canadian government, uh, was it yesterday, uh, came out with <clears throat> this uh, shot of, oh, we, can, we, we, we got all these guns, right? We, we've, we have, uh, we've confiscated all these guns and all these bullets from our protesters. Um, no proof whatsoever of where they got it. Um, you can judge for yourself whether you think they actually confiscated those from protesters or whether they planted them. Um, that's up for you to, to judge. But they owe a, burden, a duty of proof to say, who, who, did we, who did we get it from? If you're going to put a picture like that, where do we get it from? Because otherwise, it's just propaganda. And there's a better reason to believe they just planted it than it was actually confiscated from citizens. And if it was confiscated, what did these people do wrong? Um, anyway, point is, governments do not, uh, governments don't respect their citizens and they don't fear their citizens. So what do governments respect and fear? Other governments. They only respect and fear other governments. They respect other governments because they know that they can't force other governments to do what they want them to do. They bribe them, they try, they send foreign aid all around the world, they do all, send military power, etc. But at the end of the day, they wind up having to respect them because the other governments can do the same thing that they can do. And then if the other government is big enough, then they fear them. So there is your answer. There's your way out. <clears throat> Since governments don't respect or fear their own citizens, you have to go and use another government to interpose. And with your money... You simply move your money to under the jurisdictions of another government. Again, none of this stuff will protect you if you're actually a criminal. None of this stuff will actually protect you if you're actually a terrorist. 
but we're not talking about criminals and terrorists in the situation. In the Canadian protester story, we're talking about people protesting in their streets, protesting the actions of their government. In the next crisis, whatever it is, if it's a financial crisis, we're talking about businessmen and businesswomen who want to protect their assets from having it uh, inflated away to nothing by a ridiculous government that destroys the value of its own currency. Or trying to keep it from being stolen just because you had the foresight to actually save money, etc. So recognize that your answer here, your solution, is simply offshore banking. That's always the solution. You have to do it before they pass the law. I want you to imagine, if I had said, if I'd come on a microphone three weeks ago and said that three weeks from now, the Canadian Prime Minister of Finance, or the Minister of Finance and Deputy Prime Minister, would come out and would say, we are going to authorize banks and financial institutions to freeze the accounts of their customers without any court supervision. And we're going to provide for them immunity. You would have said Josh was the biggest conspiracy theorist of all time. I never would have had the guts to make a prediction like that. I wouldn't have believed it myself three weeks ago. And yet, here we are. In a mere three weeks, this is where we are. It can happen faster than you believe. You have to protect yourself early. So put the systems in place. Have, at the very least a springing account, have a handful of accounts in a handful of other jurisdictions, open, established, with transfers between them, set up and tested, where you just say, hey, here's my account in the Cayman Islands, here's my account in the United States, here's my account in the United Kingdom, wherever you choose, here's my account in Switzerland, and have the ability to transfer some money from your main accounts in your country of residence to the other accounts. So that if the time comes, everything's ready to go. And you can pull out your phone, call your banker, do it on your app, whatever you need to do, and make the transfers. Because it can happen very, very fast. Don't miss this real-life lesson in financial manipulation, government propaganda, etc. that's happening in the nation of Canada. It can happen fast.